Hi everybody, bonjour, bonjour now, welcome to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watch and review sight and sounds top greatest movies of all time. I am going down on these movies so fast. That sounds weird. I was not trying to be weird. I swear to God. Guys, I am so obsessed with this song. It's called The Power of Love by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Does anyone know this song? Am I just a bimbo? Because... I also didn't know Frankie Goes to Hollywood, but he did Relax. I know Relax from Zoolander, you know? Okay, The Power of Love is played... I won't... This isn't a spoiler, but it's played in All of Us Strangers, which um, recently, when I'm recording this, it just came out in Philadelphia, All of Us Strangers. It it stars Andrew Scott, Paul Mescal, 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 I never never know how to say his name, Uh, Claire Foy and Jamie Bell. The best movie of 2023. Boom. Hands freaking down. Uh, this is, it's now February, so this movie will probably have been out for a while now. Go see it. Please go see it. Do not wait for it to come to Blu-ray or streaming. Please, please, please don't. You have to see it in the big, on the big screen, preferably in an empty theater. I saw it on a Thursday night, and it was like a full freaking house, and this stupid lady kept getting her goddamn phone if you get your phone okay okay new rule new rule right now all right this is not i'm not ranting i always just talk this way you know me by now if you get your phone out during a movie in a movie theater i am going to call the police on you and have you arrested for the rest of your life okay okay Good. Let's continue. Now, I said uh, buongiorno. Buongiorno. I can't. God damn it. And I'm going to Italy this summer, and I don't know how to speak any Italian apart from uh, uh, pizza. So um, this is an Italian-themed episode because I'm going to talk about a very famous, in my opinion, very like forgotten, underrated, uh, black and white Italian neorealist drama from the 40s it is called uh <laughs> sorry i i had to because i keep pronouncing it wrong Python. Python. yeah that's how you pice python no Python. that's what it's called okay
Paisan, Paisan. Okay, I think it, the S is pronounced like a Z. If you're Italian and you're listening, please don't unfollow me. I'm sorry. I'm doing my best here. Okay, I'm. I, I am actually trying to learn some Italian. And I now that I've seen this movie, I can go to Italy and be like, Yo, I've seen the movie Paisan. Have eat eat you stead? Or oh, that's Spanish. Shit. Okay, I got some work to do. Paisan. Uh, this is a very uh, that also was not a trailer of Paisan. That was a trailer of R- director Roberto Rossellini's three films, including Paisan. Paisan is basically kind of part of a trilogy. None of the films have any, uh, you know, they're not related or anything like that. But it's basically part two of this unannounced trilogy that director Roberto Rossellini did. Now, Rossellini did... Um, I reviewed one of his movies. It was called Europe 51 with uh, Ingrid Bergman, which came out a few years after this. Paisan came out in 1946. Before Paisan, uh, Rossellini made a very famous movie called Rome Open City in 1945. It was a big success. He got a lot of funding uh, to make Paisan. And then he, in 1948, came out with Germany Year Zero, uh, another very famous movie. Now, these are all... Quick memory refreshing. If you for, if you forget this, it's okay. This was a friggin' year ago. Italian neorealism. What is it? Well, Italian neorealism was a film movement in the '40s that basically the rules of Italian neorealism were that you know these were films that took place in Italy just after the war and really focused on the the lower you know working class and the movies really showed you the destruction of Italy after the war and how hard it was to live in Italy after the war. And there were a lot of unknown actors in these movies most of the time. And they were always shot on location and they were shot on location because, you know, World War II had just happened. Italy. It's not like Italy was like, okay, go make movies now. Like, no, they had, you know, bigger fish to fry, as they say. I mean, they had to get their city working, you know? So that's why these movies are very low budget. They're very um, experimental, I wouldn't really say. They don't really have a clear, you know, beginning, middle, and end, not all of them. And I hate to say this, they're very depressing. Depressing, but amazing. Amazingly well done. There's a shot in Rome Open City that is very famous, but bleak. Bleak is the word that you're going to hear a lot from me. Also, because Mean Girls, bleak, I, you know, that is bleak. Remember when Janicean says it? Yeah, so I say it all the time. There's a scene, what was I saying? Yeah, like there's a scene in Rome Open City of a woman running down the street, waving at this car, and then she gets shot, and the end. <laughs> I mean, like, that. that's what these movies are like. These movies, they're not meant to be... Ha- Sorry, it's my chair. They're not meant to be happy. They're not at all meant to glorify or glamorize war. These movies are intense. They are sad. They are... Where's the synonym for bleak when you need it? Shit. Okay. Paisan, though, is, yeah, very much like his other movies. Um, It is very sad. Um, It's a little different, though. Paisan is not a uh, clear, you know... Hollywood movie in a way. This is a collection of vignettes. Vignettes. Do you know what vignettes are? I don't know the definition. Just go Google it. Google it. You know? This movie consists of six vignettes. Uh, this I'm just kidding. Vignette, you know, if a movie has vignettes, it means that there are different stories presented in the movie. Sometimes they're all related. Sometimes they're completely separate and they have no relation at all. You would almost kind of call like Pulp Fiction a vignette movie, you know, because it's all of these different 
stories, but they're all happening in the same universe, and all the characters kind of know one another. It's a little different, though. Paisan is very strictly, okay, this is movie one, episode one, excuse me, the end. This is episode two. Episode two's over. Next episode, you know, it's, it's very much like that. That's the kind of movie that um, Paisan is, and it is freaking phenomenal. No, I loved Paisan to death. I really, really did. I think this may be my favorite of Rossellini's films. You know, I, I really liked Europe 51. It was very sad, of course, but very well done. I've seen Rome Open City. I've seen Germany Year Zero. I don't totally remember what happens in them. It's been a while since I've seen them. But Rossellini is considered by so many to be one of the most prolific Italian directors ever. Martin Scorsese, for example, like loves Rossellini. And he was a real artist. I mean, he was. He made his point in his movies. Guys, war is not good. A, okay, no. I was going to say no, okay, but that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, let's get into it. Plots and ups. So let's start with the first, the first vignette, shall we? Yes, let's do it. Okay, first movie of Paisan. I'm going to call it movie because there really are six movies in Paisan. So uh, this first movie... Kind of like Black Mirror, you know? Yeah, let's call it that. Black Mirror, but, um, you know, war. Um, I need a drink of water. Hold on. Episode, Paisan, episode one. I know when I call it that, it makes me think of Star Wars. First episode, during the, al- or episode one, excuse me, during the Allied invasion of Sicily, an American patrol makes its way to a village at night. Only one of the Americans speaks Italian. Local girl, Carmela, who wants to find the whereabouts of her brother and father, agrees to guide the patrol past the German minefield to the seaside. While one of the patrol, Joe, is assigned to keep an eye on Carmela in a castle ruin, the others inspect the area. Despite the language barrier, Joe starts to overcome Carmela's distance. When he is shot by a German sniper, Carmela hides him in the basement of the building. Upon the discovery that Joe has died, she takes his rifle and starts shooting at the enemy. When the Americans return, they find Joe's body and assume Carmela killed him. The last scene shows the dead Carmela lying at the bottom of the cliffs, having been shot by the German patrol at the end. Yeah, that's the end. <sighs> I need a moment. Um, this episode really like hit me emotionally in a devastating way. Good way, but you know that means that the movie did its job. It's meant to make you devastated, and that's exactly what this this uh, episode did. Episode two. None of these episodes have titles. Titles, by the way. Episode two. The Allies invade mainland in mainland Italy and capture the port of Naples. An orphan street urchin named Pasquale happens upon Joe. <laughs> This is one thing. I don't know why Rossellini is obsessed with the name Joe. I mean, there are other names in English, but it's kind of funny. This is a different Joe, though, not the same Joe. Pasquale happens upon Joe, a drunk African-American soldier who was about to become the victim of a robbery. When the police arrive, Pasquale runs away with Joe, who tells him of who tells him of his war experiences. After Joe falls asleep, Pasquale takes his boots. Oh, Frankie, did you hear that? She's like, it's too depressing. I'm sorry, we're almost done. She wants to go out. Pasquale takes his boots. After Joe falls asleep, Pasquale takes his boots. I'm sorry, I lost my place. The next day, Joe, who turns out to be a military policeman, catches Pasquale stealing supplies from a truck. Joe demands his boots back, but when the boy takes them to where he lives, the sight of the squalor causes Joe to leave without them. Oh, that's, that's kind of a sweet but sad episode. Episode three, Francesca. A young prostitute in liberated Rome takes Fred, a drunken American soldier, to the room 
to Wink Wink, where she serves her customers. He is not interested in her services and tells her of his futile search for a young woman, young woman he met and fell in love with shortly after the liberation of the city six months earlier. As he describes the woman, Francesca realizes that she is the woman. Both of them have changed, have changed so much in the short time that has passed that they do not recognize each other. When Fred falls asleep, Francesca, Francesca slips out, asking the landlady to give Fred a piece of paper with her address on it when he awakens and leaves. The next day, Fred finds the paper in his pocket and throws it away, telling a comrade it has a prostitute's address. While Francesca waits for him in vain, he leaves the city with his unit. The end. Oh my god. Episode 4. The southern half of Florence is freed, but fierce fighting continues in the other half, across the Arno River, between Italian partisans and the Germans and their fascist allies. All the bridges except the Ponte Vecchio have been blown up, stalling the Allied advance. Nurse Harriet learns that the leader of the partisans, Lupo, is an artist whom she knew in Florence before the war. She teams up with partisan Massimo, a man desperate for news of his family, and enters the embattled city through the Vasari Corridor. Is that how you say it? Vasari Court. Yeah, it is. After being held up by a gunfight, Massimo proceeds with with his search while Harriet takes care of a wounded partisan from whom she hears of Lupo's recent death. Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Just kidding. Three American military chaplains are welcome to stay the night at a Roman Catholic monastery in the Apennine Mountains west of Rimini. Jesus, I have a lot of Italian words to learn. Captain Bill Martin, who is the only one of the chaplains who speaks Italian, acts as interpreter. The monks are dismayed to learn from Martin that only he is Catholic. His two colleagues are a Protestant and a Jew. When the guests and their hosts sit down to supper, Martin observes that the monks have nothing on their plates. He inquires and learns that the monks have decided to fast in the hope of gaining the favor of heaven to convert the other two to their faith. Despite the rule that meals have to be taken in silence, Martin holds a speech in which he expresses his appreciation for having found his peace again which he had believed to be lost in the tribulations of war. And the final episode, episode 6. In December 1944, three members of the OSS, which was the Office of Strategic Services, are operating behind German lines with Italian partisans in the Po Delta. They rescue two downed British airmen. On their return to the Italian family who supported them, they find that these have been executed by the Germans. Later, the Allied soldiers and the partisans get involved in a gunfight and are captured by the enemy. A German officer explains to the captives his country's motives for the war and that it will not stop before having achieved world domination. Oh, boy. I hate World War II. I love it, but it pisses me off so much. The partisans are sum- sum- summarily executed the next day, and the Amer- summarily? I've never used that word in my life. And the American prisoners shot when they try to interfere. The film closes with a voiceover narration, which opens each episode. Stayed this. I forgot to mention that they do. There is a lot of voiceover. Uh, at the beginning of each episode, stating this happened in the winter of 1944. By the beginning of spring, the war was over. The actual end. There is no uh, clip for this movie that I could find, but there is this great uh, uh, talk that Martin Scorsese gives from 2002. I believe it was on the uh, TCM network. Take a listen. And our next film is a landmark, Roberto Rossellini's Paisan from 1946. Certainly one of the central films of the Italian neorealist movement. It seems completely objective in its style, almost scientific, but it has an incredible emotional force. Rossellini's technique, his approach to the material, seems invisible, 
It's as if the director isn't doing anything but letting the camera run. But somehow this absence of technique amounts to one of the greatest uses of technique, of style, by a director that I've ever seen. Paisan tells the story of the liberation of Italy from German occupation in the closing years of World War II. There are six separate episodes. Each is introduced with maps and newsreel footage following the Allied troops from their invasion of Sicily and moving north through the boot of Italy. Now, each story reflects on the delicate but always deepening bonds between the Italian people and the soldiers who mean to help them. The final episode, set in the marshes of the Po River Valley in northern Italy, is at once the most powerful and the most radical in style. Rossellini records this story of Italian partisans fighting alongside Allied soldiers almost without comment. But his camera perfectly captures the world of the men caught in this desperate struggle. It never peers above the reeds that provide their only refuge from the German guns. The French critic André Bazin said this technique gave the audience the exact equivalent of the inner feelings of these men. They live between the sky and the water. Their lives could depend on the tiniest shift of an angle, but the camera never leaves that plane. It could hardly be more simple or more effective. One of my favorite films, Roberto Rossellini's Paisan. Ah, oh, I love Martin Scorsese so much. Killers of the Flower Moon, did anybody see it? I know it's long, I know it's long. I can kind of understand if you need to like take a break and finish it, but yeah, it is really good. Check it out. It is on Apple now, even though you should have seen it in movie theaters. But anyway, I won't go there. I'm not always mad. I'm just kidding a lot of the time when I'm mad sometimes. I think Scorsese summons it up perfectly there. I think, like, you know, there are some movies that I love, and they ask me, why do you love it? And literally all I can say is, it's just great. It's just great. Paisan is not a happy movie, and it's not meant to be happy. You read about what actually, you know, there. you see a lot of movies, war movies, that, you know, I use the word glamorized or glorified a lot. The movies aren't always realistic. I think one of the reasons why people loved shows like The Pacific and Band of Brothers and even like Saving Private Ryan, you know, like they have a bit of a Hollywood feel to it, but they're also brutal because war is brutal. You know, it's the same with like All Quiet on the Western Front, which came out in 2022. It's not a happy movie. War is not happy. You know, it's not a happy thing. We should not be like, yeah, cool. I want to do it. I want to go war. It's like, no, it's not. Rossellini, I mean, you have to really imagine, this movie came out a year after World War II ended. The balls it takes, it, it took, excuse me, to film a movie in a city that was destroyed almost, I, I, I wouldn't say maybe not as badly as like Germany or, or London, let's say. I don't know. Actually, that, don't get mad. I don't know my World War II history that well. I know Italy did, of course, get, you know, wrecked like crazy during the war to make a movie so soon after the war and depict a film so realistically to depict a film that like shows you that there was cruelty there was there were no ethics in this war you know from a lot of people it's a big move it's a bold move he could have easily made a movie that was pro-Italy and pro-this and look at what we did. We, we, you know, we're good. There's nothing propagandistic at all in Paisan and in Rossellini's other movies. There's nothing. You see that in some movies. You can see it. You can see it lurking a little bit. It's nuanced, but you can see it. 
in some war movies, some in some political movies. But in this, I, I think that's why Paisan is fantastic in that the, the bleakness of it all works so well. You know, you expect happy endings, but they aren't happy because the war wasn't happy. There were no happy endings in the war. You know, when the war ended, yay, whoopee, but, um, you know, like a million, thousand, trillion people just died. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the point I think Rossellini makes in Paisan. It's like, you know, there are characters, there are people who survived this war, but they're damaged. Everybody is damaged, you know? In episode two, I mean, the, you know, the American who sees the 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 place where the little boy is living, Pasquale, and then he's so, like, taken aback by how poor and awful the conditions are that he just runs out and leaves. It shows you that, you know, people weren't perfect in the war. This is, like, a very deep episode. I'm sorry. I'm trying to not get, like, philosophical and talk about, like, life lessons here. But you know what I mean? It, it's... Nobody is really perfect in this movie. The the, epi the uh, episode with the monks, when they're like, well, one of them is a Jew. I don't think like they can eat with us. It's like, excuse me? <laughs> I mean, the one, too, with the guy who, you know, gets the letter from the prostitute, who he actually really liked but and fell in love with. But then he's like, well, never mind. She's a hooker. The end. <laughs> I mean, yeah. To, 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 for a movie to have such, you know, flawed characters is i think one of the most realistic things ever to do in a movie that is why i love movies i love movies that are you know revolved around real events that really show you perfect uh no don't show you this what am i trying to say i really like movies that depict a real time that have people who aren't perfect you know what i mean Paisan, I mean, like, there are likable characters in this movie. Like, the first episode I really liked, um, you know, Joe and Carmela, but life gets back at you, you know? It's sad. It's a very sad movie. Paisan, I, you know, and I'm not trying to bring the mood down. It's not the happiest movie in the world, but it is absolutely astounding. So astounding. BTS Secrets and Scandals! Not too many scandals for this movie that I could find. Scandals, secrets, trivia. It wasn't really a lot. You know, a lot of the shots in Paisan um, were real. Um, you know, there is actually the footage that you see, like the dailies, the archives. I mean, that was real. It was from the Italian campaign, including allied ships, uh, allied ships shelling the Sicily coast. Wow. Alliteration. Boom. German troops retreating through the streets of Rome and the American troops triumphant entry into the city as they are welcomed by huge crowds of Italians. You can tell, obviously, that's real footage. I mean, if, if fool me, I would have been completely fooled if, um, I thought that that was all, you know. Uh, why can't, why can't I think of the word? It's real footage. That's what I'm trying to say. I lost my thought. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, the other trivia, it's not really super big. It's, it's really, um, you know, the fifth episode, the one with the monks, um, those were authentic, uh, Franc Franciscan monks from the Maori convent near Salerno. 
And in addition, I mean, I said this already, this had a lot of known and unknown actors. I didn't know anybody in this movie. I didn't know any of the Americans in this movie. I was surprised to even see so many Americans in an Italian-made movie from 1946. I think that's really impressive. And the movie premiered at Venice in 1946. Venice International Film Festival. VIF. Nobody calls it that. The best moment I would have to say episode one, that final shot when the camera pans down the cliffs and you see that Carmela, you see Carmela's body lying on the cliffs, you know, in front of the water because you find out that she's been shot by the Germans. There's something about that image that was so effective because it was so heartbreaking and you weren't, I was not expecting it. And it's like something out of a painting. Yeah, the shots in this movie, the cinematography was by um, Otella Martelli, who, um, oh God, yeah, this guy, I remember this guy. He did uh, the, cinematography, the cinematography for La Dolce Vita, which is another very famous Italian movie, not by Rossellini though. Um, but that shot, there's something about that shot in the movie that stuck with me the most. Yeah, devastating. Do I agree with the critics of this movie? Well, no, I'm just kidding. I do. Yeah, the critics love this movie. You know, I forgot to say, too, that a lot of people wrote this movie. It was written by Italian guys. I'm not. I'll, OK, I'll try it. Sergio Amide, Federico Fellini, huge director, Marcello Pagliero, Alfred Hayes and Vasco Pratolini. Uh, Federico Fellini, there's going to be some of his movies coming up on this list, and I cannot wait to watch them because I love Fellini. Oh my god, R.I.P. man, one of the best directors of all time. He did La Dolce Vita, which uh, I, I just mentioned, but what was I saying? Oh, I just wanted to give those writers a shout out. Yeah, each episode is phenomenal flawless i really have to say i loved this quote this is by it's very random i know but uh nell dodson russell from minnesota spokesman recorder hollywood still has to grow up we've been too safe too smug too secure european films reflect the suffering the stark realism the appreciation of human values that two wars in a generation have brought a freaking men i loved that quote Hollywood does have to grow up. When you make war movies, make them realistic. Don't gussy them up and make them all Hollywood and cool and, and get all big special effects. No, war is not special effects. War is terrible. I mean, if you're doing like the Avengers and it's fake and it's in space, I guess you can make it cool. But no, I love how realistic movies like Paisan are. That is what makes them so memorable, you know? Fernando F. Croce, oh God, I just burped too, I'm sorry, Croce? Croce, Fernando F. Croce from Cinepassion said, uh, Paisan is chillingly blunt, doggedly unsentimental, and emotionally overwhelming. Oh my God, hell yeah, emotionally overwhelming. You goddamn kidding me? James Kendrick from Q Network Film Desk says that Paisan effectively maintains the rough-hewn, in-the-streets feel of neorealism, and in its best moments, it feels like something captured rather than something produced. Yeah, the realism. Realism is a big part in this movie. Uh, it's one of the strengths of the movie. All of this feels like 
you feel like this is like almost like uh, what what do they call it? Snuff footage, snuff footage, sniff footage, smug footage. You know, footage like that looks like someone someone like got a cheap camera and just filmed everything without anyone's permission. That is what Paisan feels like. You know, you don't. This doesn't feel like a movie. It never does. It never does at all. Is it really one of the best movies of all time? I 100% think it is. Yeah. I don't know how it compares to other Italian neorealist films. I'd have to check them out again. But Paisan definitely has stuck with me. I mean, I, again, it's like I don't remember Rome Open City in Germany year zero too, too well. Paisan, though, um, is up there. It hits you. It really sinks its teeth into your heart. And it rips it apart and sews it back together. But the wounds are still there. Yeah, I'm trying to sound poetic. Yeah. Fantastic movie. Definitely check it out. As of right now, it is available on the Criterion channel. A lot, I keep forgetting to say this, but a lot of the movies I'm reviewing are on the Criterion channel. Please go. Please uh, go and download, I mean. And while you're downloading, I'm going to end with this. Get off your ass and go to the goddamn movies, okay? Are you sick? Are you, are you, are you lazy? Are you like, do you have a tummy ache? Well, they have medicine for it. They have antibiotics, okay? Go. Just do it. I... Know a good doctor who can make you feel better. And you know what? You can sneak medicine into the movie theater if you want to. Just go do it. Please support your local movie theaters. Okay, that's all. Bye-bye. Oh, you made it. You made it. You made it. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays. You can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at I'm Reviewing Here. You can also subscribe on YouTube. New episodes drop there the same day they drop on the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Please leave a review if you'd like. Be mean. Be nice. Hit on me. I don't really care. Candor really, really is important to me and, you know, it helps the podcast too. So uh, I really hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is brought to you especially by Nervous Chuckles. That is my fake production company because I make people nervously chuckle all the time because they never know if I'm telling a joke or not. So they're always like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> do I laugh? Do I not laugh? Is he serious? Is he insane? Did he get out of the, the loony? What's going on? So if I made you nervously chuckle, then that means that I did my job. And thank you. There is uh, no funding for this podcast, but if you want to give me money, then uh, yeah, like hit me up. DM me. Bye-bye.